This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm here with my co-host, Jalen Chan. Jalen, how are you doing? Uh, What have you been up to? Hey, John, doing well. Uh, it's just another busy week for us at the Chan household. Uh, but last weekend, my sister-in-law uh, celebrated her wedding. So she was actually supposed to get married last year during the pandemic here in Chicago. But because of COVID, uh, her and um, her husband got married in Houston, where they're both uh, working right now. Uh, and so this past weekend, they came up um, and had a reception here for family and friends. And so it was Super fun. I think about 200 people uh, at the reception. <clears throat> and it's actually the same reception hall that uh, Jenny and I, my wife, um, had our reception 13 years ago. Uh, and so it was just a day apart in 13 years. But it's kind of cool to be back there. And it's fun to see family. And um, yeah, so it was, just, it was just fun. It was exciting. And uh, my wife was the matron of honor and, you know, just a lot of things going on. But um, yeah, sort of sort of another typical just busy weekend and you know um but it was fun and and good to see a lot of people that's probably the biggest gathering that i've been in since the pandemic 200 people 200 people yeah but wow yeah well congrats to you and jenny on your uh 13th wedding anniversary i don't know if that's like supposed to be a significant milestone but every anniversary is a significant milestone that's right john yeah. How are you doing? How are things going for you? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, this past week's been a pretty, pretty fun week, actually. Um, you know, the uh, the new Marvel movie Shang-Chi just came out. So I went to Ooh. see it on opening night. It was, mm-hmm. um, I can, I could definitely say that it met and exceeded the expectations that I had. And I had some pretty high expectations for it. So it was very fun. Uh, and then the other thing that I really enjoyed doing this week was I got to go uh, up to the Oakland Coliseum and watch the White Sox play the Oakland A's. And um, they did win the game that I went to, though I think they ended up losing the next two games. But uh, that was that was a lot of fun because that's something I really miss about not being in Chicago is not being able to go watch, you know, my favorite teams play whenever I wanted to. So, you know, them being on the road here and, uh, and then me kind of learning in this last couple of months how easy it is to get from where I am up to the Oakland Coliseum. I think is a, a recipe for a lot of a lot of games down the road. So every year when they come, I'm I'm planning to go there. So, but yeah, it's been been a fun week. Yeah, sounds like a good week and sounds like a, a lot of fun activity. I feel like we could probably have a whole episode on Shang Chi and talk about that for a long time. <laughs> That's right. But, um, but today we're excited to have a special guest. Um, our guest is Dr. Daniel K. Ng. He is assistant professor of New Testament 
Language and Literature at Western Seminary in Portland. Uh, he's got a, a bunch of degrees. He's got a PhD in Theology and Religious Studies from the University of Cambridge, a DMIN in Asian American Ministry from Talbot School of Theology. He's also got a THM and an MDiv from Talbot, and so he's He's read a lot of books. He's done a lot of writing. <laughs> right? uh, he's also an editorial board member of the Sola Network and has contributed to uh, multiple publications. So we're excited he's here. He's also served as a, as a pastor in a few Chinese churches. And so, Daniel, really good to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Um, we really thank you for being with us today. I'm glad to be here, guys. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, Daniel, you know, we, we, we want to hear a little bit about your journey, a little bit of, about your story. Can you just tell us about um, some of the ministry stops that you've been on along the way and, and how kind of God led you into this work of uh, educating future uh, pastors and ministry leaders. Sure. Uh, I grew up attending with my family, attending New York Chinese Alliance Church, a, a church that my parents really helped to to uh, to bring some good leadership to in its early stages. And that was in Chinatown. And so we started doing that. I actually went with my went with my parents to to help plant a church in Brooklyn's Chinatown uh, in the in the early '90s, and that's called Grace Chinese Alliance Church. And uh, I went off to college at Boston College, and uh, got involved at Boston Chinese Evangelical Church, uh, and got really involved in ministry there. Uh, I lived in Boston several years after graduating from college. Uh, decided to pursue full-time ministry, and um, and so after some time living in Boston, moved out to California to go to Talbot. And it, at, when I was when I moved to California, one of the things I wanted to do was to see what God was doing through many of the the, the, ch the churches in California. And so I, the location was a part of the part of the draw for me, and and part of the deciding factor of where to go to seminary. Uh, but uh, Talbot is a, is an outstanding outstanding institution. I really had a great experience there. But uh, so I got involved at Evergreen Baptist Church of San Gabriel Valley. If you are familiar with Evergreen Baptist Church of Los Angeles, uh, what happened in the in the '90s was Pastor Corey Ishida was the senior pastor, Pastor Ken Fong was the associate pastor, and they decided to make it two churches. And so Pastor Ken wanted to move past Evergreen LA in a multi-ethnic direction. Pastor Corey Yoshida uh, took uh, with him a large portion of the congregation and started a new church called Evergreen SGV uh, and uh, wanted to keep the, the vision to reach English-speaking Asian Americans in the San Gabriel Valley. And so when I read about the, the history of that, of, the, of, this, of this church, um, and for many people, this is, uh, it, it's, a, it's a model for Asian American ministry, I just I wanted to check it out, so I started going to Evergreen SGV. Pastor Corey actually talked with me and and brought me onto his staff, which was 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 great. What I wanted to do was to see, you know, what what God was doing in this Asian English speaking Asian American model that people have spoken about, and and be able to see what I could bring back to the Chinese Church uh, in terms of really effectively reaching this generation of Chinese Americans. Um, and so I uh, was in seminary and pastoring with Evergreen SGV. I met my wife there, San Young. She is, uh, uh, she, she and I, um, I got married uh, as I was, when I was in seminary, after we'd been married a year and uh, I was finished with a master's degrees, I, uh, God, God opened the door for us to go to Austin 
Texas to for me to be a youth pastor at Austin Chinese Church. Did that for almost four years. We made some we we made some great friends. Had some really fruitful ministry while in Texas. When it was time to move on, uh, uh, I remember there were people who were telling me, Daniel. Uh, we really like it when you teach and preach and what would it look like if you were in the classroom, you know, as a seminary professor or a Bible college professor, we really think that you do really well in that kind of role. And so uh, when it was time to move on, we moved back to California and I was interviewing with the church, uh, a Chinese church for their English pastor position, but also uh, I was teaching adjunct at Biola for their undergraduate biblical studies department. And my wife said, when I was coming home from the classroom, uh, my wife was saying, Daniel, when you come home, you are excited and you're lit up and you're, and you're, you're, you're really motivated. Uh, and, and it just gives you life to teach in the classroom and to disciple your students. I really want you to do this full time. What would it look like for you to do this? And at the time, I actually had started my uh, doctor of ministry in Asian American ministry. Uh, and I said, well, honey, if, I, if, if you want me to teach in a classroom, I'm in the wrong doctoral program. I need to get a PhD. And she looked at me and she said, Daniel, we do this when the kids are young. <laughs> and so, so I told the church I was interviewing with, I, I said, thank you very much. We're, we're going to go in this direction. I want to see if God's going to open a door for me to, to impact the church from the, from the classroom. And so God opened the door for us to go to Cambridge uh, in the UK. Uh, and we were there for four years, uh, me working on my PhD. I got involved at Tinda, which is a Bible research community. Great experience for us. Uh, and, and towards the end of my time with PhD, uh, God opened the door for us to be here in Portland, uh, me teaching at Western Seminary. And so it's been a long journey. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm, I'm still committed to seeing what God's going to do with me and through me uh, for the for the for the Chinese Church in America. I did finish my that that demon I was talking about. We'll, we can talk more about it in a bit. Uh, but I, one of the things that I'm, I'm committed to as a as an educator and as someone who's committed to the local church is to really have an impact on the Chinese Church in America. Yeah, I love that, and I think that you know it's it's so important for people, uh, our listeners to, to realize that, you know, there's, you know, you can have a huge heart for the Chinese church and there are different opportunities for, for us to serve the Chinese church. Um, and, and I, I really appreciate you following God's call, you know, and, and your wife's prompting and uh, that church in Austin that also, um, you know, shared that encouragement with you as well. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I'm grateful for that. Uh, let's let's talk about that doctorate of, of ministry in Asian American uh, ministry. How do you see that equipping and strengthening the Chinese Heritage Church? What did you learn there? What what are some things that you hope to, yeah, infuse in in the Chinese Heritage Church? Well, I really had a good experience at Talbot when I was doing my master's degree, and uh, and I, one of my mentors, his name is Ben Shin. He's Korean American. And really knew that I had a heart for Asian Americans and seeing and seeing how we can have more effective ministry. Uh, he called me out of the blue one time when I was in Austin. He said, Daniel, I'm starting this program. 
in Asian American ministry, a doctor of ministry, I'd like you to consider being part of this, part of the, the opening cohort of this. And so we prayed about it. And actually, uh, Austin Chinese Church uh, actually helped to fund some of it. So I really appreciate that. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to complete it, because I really wanted to honor their investment in this. Um, I had a great experience at the, ministry, at the Doctor of Ministry program at Talbot. It was different because uh, it was different than my master's degrees because everybody was everybody who was in the program uh, was full was in full time ministry in Asian American contexts, and we were doing this on the we were doing this doctorate. Uh, in concurrence with that. And one of the things that we did, especially during the coursework, was we really started to encounter things like the history of the Asian American church. We talked about how culture affects the way we lead, how it affects the way we read the Bible, how it affects the way we minister to other people. And that's okay, because we all have a lens by which we see the world. And we need to be aware of that in order to do, to, 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 to do things in a sound way. Um, and so it, it put me in a position to be more in touch with how messages are received by Asian Americans. We talked a lot about like the immigrant churches. We talked about the different models of churches that reach Amer Asian Americans. Um, it gave me it gave me a language to understand uh, Chinese American churches, particularly, but also just Asian American ministry. There were so many times when we were in the coursework. Where, where somebody would say, you know, I was having this, uh, I was having this concern with this group in my church. And then there would be other, someone who would say, yes, I had the same issue. You understand. And there were times where we were like, we didn't, we didn't feel like people understood when we were doing in the master's level. And so there were so many moments where we were, we were, we were saying, hey, you know, that's something I'm experiencing too. And so part of it was kind of therapeutic. But part of it was also, hey, how do we move ahead with this? How do we move ahead with having healthy, uh, healthy boundaries, healthy, healthy models of ministry? You know, what is it? What what would it take to to have good and effective ministry? Uh, and so, I really appreciated how much it shaped me as a leader. Uh, also, a lot of the self awareness things about uh, about myself and how uh, how Chinese I am and how American I am and and all of those things. And how that affects how I lead. Um, and so, let me give you an example. Uh, so, in my preaching, this can come out. So, I'm a I'm a lot more in tune now to how messages are received. So, for example, several weeks ago, I preached at my church about the parable of the prodigal son. And what I did was, I was thinking through it, and I had done some research on this as well. But I was thinking through it, and I was, I, there was there are certain things within the parable that I feel res feel like resonate with Asian Americans in a way that is unique. So for example, I, I said something and it was really off, kind of an off comment, but I heard a lot of people kind of not, looks people, people nodding and saying, hmm, when I said this, I said, the younger son goes off and he has so much hope in this new land and yet he has to settle for the worst job, one that is much, much worse than what he had hoped for. And I was like, isn't that like many of our immigrant experiences? And, and people like people automatically connected with that in a way that I feel like what is more unique to the Asian American culture. So just kind of things like that where, where I'm more in tune to that and it really it really has enhanced uh, ministry and and the and the way that I've been able to communicate messages. Yeah, you know Daniel that 
that sounds like such a, a, a profound, you know, connection that you're making now um, into your ministry that's coming from this, this doctorate that you did. Um, and, and I think one of the questions that I had is because that doctoral program that's specifically focused on Asian American ministry, that's very specific and it's at a very high level of education, but you're also involved in, you know, educating at, at the graduate level now. Um, and have done stuff at the undergraduate level. So my question would be, are you seeing seminaries and Bible colleges at least try to approach teaching, you know, young up and coming pastors or seminarians, uh, giving them the lens to kind of see their ministry in their own context? Um, or do you feel like they've got to kind of do that at the highest level, kind of like what you did to pursue that doctorate of ministry? What, I guess what my question would be, what are seminaries doing now to, to try to bridge that gap for um, Asian American pastors? It's a complex question, and I, 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 let, me, let me answer it this way. I, I think those of us who are, who are serving in kind of these uh, bilingual immigrant models have a complex relationship with seminary education, or even just minorities in general. So on one hand, like much of the Bible teaching, the theological training, things like that, much of that is timeless. It transcends culture. This is the word of God. It's going to it's going to be the word of God. It's been the word of God in the past. It's been the word of God. It's the word of God now. It's going to be the word of God in the future. So that doesn't change. Uh, so the Bible's been the same throughout the centuries. And so on one hand, that's that that transcends culture. But on the other hand, um, seminaries need to be better at cultural considerations. And so I remember uh, one time in a in a in a in a pastoral leadership class. And uh, and somebody raised their hand asking about something. Hey, I, I'm I'm trying to get my church leadership to be on board with something I'm doing. And then he said, well, and our, our professor said, well, this is what you do. You can just go to the deacon meeting and just say, this is what, you know, this is what I think the church should do. And I remember debriefing with, a, with a, I think it was a Korean American classmate of mine. And we were both agreeing. I can't walk into my deacon meeting and do that. They're like uncle so-and-so, these, these people founded the church. I can't just walk in and, and tell them what to do. And so, and so I think that, I think there, there's, there needs to be some kind of understanding that some, in some cultures that doesn't work. And so, you, uh, and so I, I guess that's a, that's more of an, an innocuous example, but you see what I mean with, uh, with, uh, I think we're, I think we're assuming things when you see in the classroom, just, just other things like what, you know, when, when we're teaching premarital counseling, you know, what happens when the, the, cup, the, the couple's marriage is arranged? And that's going to be the case in a lot of non-Western marriages. And so how do you, how do you counsel them? Because we were, because we were, we were, when we were learning about premarital counseling, we're assuming that they were dating, right? And so there, that's something else that I feel like we, we're kind of with some blind spots in the church, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the seminary, at least, at least in my circles. Uh, one one thing that I, I one thing I'll say here at Western is that we're really trying to move towards that, helping under, understand, uh, you know, how, can we get some non-majority voices in the classroom, and so that's something that we are we're thinking about. Uh, how does it? What does this look like? And I'll give you an example of what it's looked like in 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 a class I'm teaching this semester. I'm teaching hermeneutics, and for those of you who are not familiar, hermeneutics is Bible study methods. It's we we have a game plan by which we approach the Bible. And we and we have a we have a framework and and a, and a way that we can interpret the Bible, 
And so I'm assigning uh, for required reading a book called Misreading Scripture with Individualistic Eyes. And it's by uh, Randy Richards and Richard James. And these two, these two gentlemen served in the mission field. And one of the things that they saw was that their individualistic Western mindset was not compatible in a lot of ways with the collectivistic Eastern mindset that they were in, in, in the cultures that they were in. And so they kind of reflect on that and they're saying, you know, if we read this text in with a with a collectivistic mindset, certain things come out. Just to kind of kind of give like an example with the prodigal son earlier, like certain things come out that maybe maybe Western like individualistic Americans don't don't quite get. So I'm making this required reading so that at least we get the idea that no matter where you are, no matter where what culture you're in, you have baggage, and and that for better or for worse, uh, and and that's okay. But you just you're you're standing from a certain perspective, and you're seeing the text from a certain perspective, and the more that you can kind of analyze yourself and seeing what tendencies you bring to the text, the more you're able to uh, to uh, to have a sound way of interpretation. That's why I'm making it this book required reading for uh, for my hermeneutics class. I think we're moving in a good direction. I think we have a long way to go in terms of the evangelical seminary community. Yeah, I I, I, I really appreciate that. You know, you're on, you know, you're there uh, at Western, you're, you're representing a non-majority voice and, you know, making some of these uh, required readings. And so uh, I, I think that's so important because, you know, my experience, and I, I know for John as well, our experience, um, it, you know, we, we lacked a lot of those, you know, non-majority voices. And it, for me, at least, it wasn't until I got into ministry and, um, started serving in a context where I didn't necessarily have all the tools that seminary was supposed to give me in, in the context that I'm in, in a Chinese church. Uh, I, so I had to learn on the ground, you know, on the fly. And thankfully, there were other brothers, other pastors that I could look to and, and talk and talk with. And as you kind of look at the landscape of seminaries in Western culture, um, you know, are there other ways that they can help you know, equip Chinese heritage churches or equip, um, you know, second generation Asian American pastors to to serve better in the Asian American church? I think one of the things that I found really effective for me and really helpful when I did the doctor of ministry was we did some we did some self-awareness, reflection, inventories, surveys, things like that, that helped us understand ourselves better. And so I understood, so, so just, I just, and I was remembering that I wish, I wish I had done some of this at the master's level or even at the undergrad level where I understand my tendencies because that helps me to know how I respond to a situation. And so everybody comes from, a, everybody has a culture. Uh, and so how you grow, how you, how you relate to God is influenced by that. And so I think giving young people the, the tools by which to understand themselves I think can really have some good fruit in the way that uh, the people are shaped. And especially with, uh, with people who are serving in these, in, in Chinese heritage, Chinese heritage contexts where, where the way that many of us are wired might be different than our classmates. I think it'd be good for us to have the tools to be able to say, okay, the reason why I respond to this situation this way is because of this. 
And that might be healthy, it might not be healthy, but let's talk about it. And so I wonder if I wonder if that can be an avenue for that. And it's awkward because, you know, it's a minority, right? So it's not like you can't, it's, it's hard to minister, it's hard to minister or to talk directly to minority groups. And I understand the numbers game when it comes to that. But I think, like I said, if we have the tools to be able to do some good self-reflection and to, and to understand ourselves better, I think that can go a long way. Yeah, you know, Daniel, we really appreciate that you're standing in that space um, to kind of add that voice, like Jalen said. Um, though I will add that, you know, for Jalen and I, maybe if we had been able to explore some of these topics and how our, our culture impacts the way that we study the Bible or the way that we do ministry, if we had explored that extensively in undergrad when we were in Bible college, like maybe we wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. So I think part of it was having that need, you know, or our generation kind of growing up in, in ministry um, and having that need led us to to kind of explore these topics and do that in this podcast form. And we're glad that that you're doing that at a, at a different level, at the academic level. And, and I think for me, my hope is young pastors that are learning and growing, that they would not just have to learn by experience, that they can learn from the experiences of others, too. And so I think that's really such a valuable thing that you bring to the table. Um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was earlier, you were talking about all the different ministry stops that you've been at, you know, uh, New York and Boston and Austin, Los Angeles, uh, and now in Portland. Um, so you've probably encountered a lot of different ministry leaders at a lot of different pastors. Um, and, and especially it sounds like you've been at quite a few different, um, Chinese heritage churches along the way. So my, my question to you would be, what, what's something that encourages you about this next generation of Chinese American leaders that you are encountering either at the school uh, or in the stops that you've been at? I could be wrong, but my hunch is that this, this, this younger generation of Chinese American leaders is more comfortable with meeting Chinese American. I'll explain what I mean. I remember when, and, and I may, you might relate to this, when I, I remember when I was younger, I was really ashamed that I was different. And, you know, just having a different sounding last name or having a smelly lunch when I bring it to school. And so I hated the fact that I was different. And I hated talking about my church because I was ashamed that I was at a Chinese church. It was different. And the, I took that as stigma. You know what I mean? And so... I could be wrong, but when I interact with younger leaders, I sense that there's less shame in, the, in that area. There's still some there, but I feel like this next generation is embracing more what it means to both be both Chinese and American, this bicultural identity. And I think this is good for both the, American, the Chinese American church, but I think it's also good for the entire church at large. Um, so I, I think I think it's good for the Chinese church because it, facil it facilitates more contextualized discipleship. So just like we contextualize discipleship to middle schoolers in the middle school youth group, and we contextualize discipleship to women in women's groups, um, can we contextualize disciples uh, discipleship? Sorry, contextualize discipleship to Chinese Americans. And I think it, that what what that takes is a leader who embraces the experience more and someone who is more comfortable with, with this identity uh, and to explore that and minister through that. Uh, oh, the other thing I said was, I think it's better for the church as a whole, the church at large, because I think that for, for many times we've, I think 
Chinese American churchgoers often have as our heroes white Americans. Uh, so we celebrate white American authors, and you can imagine you, you can you can start thinking about the you can start thinking about some of the authors that we seem to revere in our church circles or. Or we use a curriculum or Bible study that it's really written for white Americans, and what happens is that we lose a we lose a a Chinese American or, or an Asian American voice within the church at large. Um, so you don't see that many Chinese American authors or conference speakers. I want to say this. I want to say that the church at large is incomplete when we're missing that voice, and so. And so one of the things I, we, we mentioned earlier that I'm on the board of the Solar Network and the Solar Network, we're committed to having uh, gospel centered content, uh, biblical content for the church. Uh, so you can think of us kind of like Desiring God or, or TGC. And, uh, but the part of our goal is to give Asian Americans a voice. Uh, so we're inviting people who wouldn't otherwise write or interview to have a voice in these things. And, and that is, I believe is adding a needed perspective to the evangelical church at large. And so, like I said, I think that, I think the more we're comfortable with this, the more we're able to add something to the church at large. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I love that, you know, just that idea of helping our churches, helping our, you know, uh, Chinese American pastors realize mm -hmm. and recognize that they do have something to contribute, not just to their local church, but to the to the large church, right? To the family of God. And we do have um, so much that we have, you know, that, we, that we've learned, that we've experienced, um, uh, that we can contribute to the larger, to the larger body of Christ. And I really appreciate what you're doing at Sola. How about uh, the, the opposite of that question would be like, what are the challenges uh, that you see um, for the next generation of Asian American leaders in the Chinese Heritage Church? I think the challenge is that let me let me put it this way it's it's hard for them to see a need for the ethnic specific ministry especially the ethnic specific church and i think uh so you get a, you get a lot of you get a lot of questions a lot of pushback and so uh a lot of times uh a lot of times as an english pastor at a chinese church i would get questions like why do you need to have your chinese church if you're just, if you're going to worship in english um and for a long time i didn't have a good answer um, but I think throughout this journey, I, 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 it, it's, it, I've, I, I've, I've been able to put into words what uh, I kind of knew earlier. Um, and so, uh, so I think, I think we, what we need to see is Chinese American leaders taking the opportunity to, like I said earlier, to have a contextualized discipleship. See, no one really questions the need for a youth ministry. No one questions the need for a women's ministry. But for some reason, they question a need for an ethnic, ethnic specific, like it's like for some reason it's okay to have age specific and gender specific, but when but somehow they call and they call it segregation, right? Why are you segregating? And and so they kind of use this political buzzword um, to to get us to to get us to kind of recoil and say, oh no no I wouldn't do that. But um, so I think the challenge I think uh, for for this generation is to really say, okay, well we still need a need for this. And this is what it looks like. And I think we're still trying to figure out what, what it looks like to have a contextualized discipleship. I mentioned a couple of things earlier. I'd like to see things like Bible study curriculum. I'd like to see more preaching that is really geared 
to resonate more with the Chinese American context, things like that. And I think we're moving in that direction, but there's a, there's a long way to go. That is so important for us to uh, embrace, you know, uh, a, a healthy understanding of why ethnic specific ministries are necessary and needed. And um, I, I would hope that many of our listeners who are in Chinese heritage churches, you know, they're there because they do have, they have that burden, right? And they, and they love being, uh, they love being Chinese American and they love being in a Chinese American church or a Chinese heritage church rather. Hey, really quick, Daniel, you know, one question I actually just wanted to ask was you mentioned that um, there's progress being made in resources and curriculums that maybe um, address ethnic specific ministries or needs, mm-hmm. um, even though there's not a lot, right? It, it sounds like there's not a lot, or I know from Jalen and I, our experiences that there's not a lot, but do you know of any that you would recommend um, any resources, whether it's books or curriculums or anything um, that are starting to address some of those uh, contextualized uh, discipleship as you, uh, as you were referring to it? Well, I'm going to start, I'm going to start with the book that my mentor wrote. Ben Shin and Cheryl Takagi Silzer wrote a book called Tapestry of Grace. And that's about the Asian American church, Asian American ministry. Uh, and it really kind of gets at some of the topics I was talking about in terms of knowing yourself, knowing the culture, things like that. Uh, there was a book that came out um, called Finding Our Voice, and that is uh, about preaching specifically for Asian Americans. I think they, I think they're, it's a, it's written by a, a team, a, a two-person team, one, one who's American and one who's Canadian. So it's Asian North American preaching, <laughs> um, but it's written by Daniel Wong and Matthew Kim. And they're both, uh, they're both practitioners. So Korean American and Chinese Canadian. And I, I recommend that book as well. So those are two examples. Yeah, those are great. Um, thanks for sharing those. Uh, you know, just switching gears a little bit here. Um, uh, you, you have an upcoming book that's going to focus on English ministries in Chinese churches and kind of historically how that, those have kind of taken shape in, uh, in, in, our, in our society here and your involvement with FACE. Uh, I think John and I don't have a lot of experience or history with FACE. Could you Tell us what FACE is and then share a little bit about this upcoming book. Sure. This is, this is something that I think would, uh, would be of interest to many of your listeners. And so there's an organization, I would call it a kind of a, a coalition of pastors called the Fellowship of American Chinese Evangelicals, FACE. And, so they, and they were most active in the 80s, 90s, and a little bit in the 2000s. And the leaders of FACE were English pastors at Chinese churches. And so many people consider them kind of pioneers of English ministry in Chinese churches. And they use the term ABCs. And I'm going to use that term in the book because that's, that's their term. I want to honor that. So American-born Chinese. And so their goal was to have content and training and discussions. They, they would have these conferences and meetings and uh, seminars on healthy Chinese, healthy Chinese American ministry, especially to ABCs. And so the organization still exists. 
and the directors are all retired pastors now. Uh, and so they were pretty active back then. So if you ask some of the older generation English pastors about face, you might you might hear about what they were what they were involved in and what they were doing. And maybe they even attended one of their meetings or conferences. Um, face had a newsletter. It's called About Face. And so and About Face came out quarterly in the 80s and 90s. Uh, and it was sent to their readership, which is probably a couple a couple hundred people. And so there's a lot of articles about how to minister to ABCs, how to have healthy multi-generational ministry in Chinese churches, how, how the Chinese congregation can relate to the English congregation, things like that. And uh, and it's just unpublished. You know, I had access to their archives and I was just reading through this stuff. And I was like, this is really edifying. And some of these are great conversations that I wish that would have a wider audience. And so when I was working on my D-Min, what I was discouraged by was there really isn't much published on the Chinese church in America. And so, I mean, there's a few books with some small publishers, some articles, a couple of blog posts, things like that. It was really hard to find resources. And so now that I'm teaching in a seminar, it comes with some open doors to publish and publishers actually want to hear from me. And so what I wanted to use was the opportunity to, to serve the Chinese church in America by facilitating a publication like this. And so, and so facilitating publications about the Chinese church and, and having healthy ministry. So I wanted, to, I wanted to start with FACE. I wanted to start with About FACE because I really wanted to honor the pioneers who really came before me. Uh, so that's really one, my first project. And so I found a publisher who's agreed to take on the project of, of publishing a selection of articles from About FACE and so it'll be urban loft publishers, and they they specialize in urban ministry. And I pitched it this way, and I said, I said, majority of Chinese churches and majority of churches that reach Chinese Americans are in urban areas. And they said, okay, let's let's talk about it. So, so I read through the about face. Like I said, I read through the about face archives. I curated a selection of articles that would be valuable for the church today. I mean, much of it's outdated because it actually talks about like, like special events that happened and they were promoting their conferences and things like that. But some of the content uh, has a lot of like good stuff. I mean, it was kind of a treasure hunt and there, were a lot, there was a timeless quality to, to a lot of it um, because there are topics that the Chinese American church was dealing with in the 80s and 90s and are still dealing with. I'm going to say that again. There's, we're still dealing with some of the same issues. And I'm wondering, especially for churches who haven't really gotten a chance to engage in these conversations, I think this will really serve us. And so I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm working on editing these articles and getting them to book form. So I'm hoping and praying that it'll be a catalyst for some healthy discussions about effective ministry in Chinese churches. So if we go according to schedule, we're looking at sometime in 2023. Wow. Awesome. I, you know, I can't wait to read some of those, uh, some of those articles and just get my hands on that book um, as a resource. I think, I don't think that this is the first time that Jalen and I have heard of the organization, but it was definitely something that we were newly introduced to in the last year and a half or so. And I just think about how important it is for us that are, for those of us serving today to learn from those who came before us. Um, and yeah, to have that, like you said, uh, a treasure trove of uh, wisdom and and insight that's been gleaned over the years, that that's something that will be of great benefit to um, the Chinese Heritage Church. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I, I had lunch. I, I was in California. I had lunch with three out of the directors for FACE. 
uh, they took me out to lunch and uh, they, they told me that, uh, you know, they're excited about the project and they really, they really are, are praying that this is going to serve today's Chinese church in a way that they had a vision for back then. Awesome. You know, as we uh, wrap up the podcast, we really love to ask all of our guests um, just for one piece of advice or encouragement that you might have for someone that's currently serving in a Chinese uh, heritage church. First thing I want to say, it's hard. It is hard to serve in a Chinese church. And I'm watching you guys nod. Um, You're dealing with cultural divides. And many of us go through the angst of feeling treated like a child you know, by the Chinese speaking leaders, and you have to deal with church politics that's steeped in culture that you might not be familiar with. You're often underpaid, often overworked, you're often underappreciated, and you are less likely to become a best-selling author or get invited to conferences. That's just the, that's just the reality of it. It's hard to serve in a Chinese church as, a, um, uh, as someone serving there. And so I want you to know that God sees you. And he sees your faithfulness, your commitment, your perseverance, um, and your resolve to serve these people at this time, to serve people that God loves. And God's going to reward you. Uh, hang in there. You know, keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your mind on things above. Persevere. God's going to reward you. That's, my first, that's the first thing uh, that I want to encourage people with. The second thing I would say is that you have an opportunity for contextualized discipleship. I talked about this earlier. I talked about, you know, how we contextualize for age-specific or gender-specific ministries. Do the same. Be a missionary. Study the culture. Uh, shape your messages for the greatest impact for discipleship. I mean, do that with your Chinese-American ministry. Talk about what it means to be both Chinese and American, how we relate to God. Talk about the minority experience. Use sermon illustrations that that resonate deeply. I mean, lead Bible studies that you know, touch on application to Chinese American experiences, you know, reach the congregation, reach your youth group or Bible study in a contextualized way. And I know, I know there's some hesitation sometimes because you might be afraid because we, we don't want to make somebody who doesn't fit that mold to be uncomfortable. Uh, and so who doesn't, you know, you don't want to make somebody uncomfortable who doesn't fit with the Chinese American experience. But I want to suggest to you, I don't see the black church worrying about that. You know, I don't see, actually don't even see the white church worrying about that, right? Um, that that we have messages that really aren't catering to everybody. So, and I think, and so I think we need, we really need to receive contextualized discipleship. I think we're behind a lot of other minority groups in this, in this area. And so, and this is going to make a big difference. And so my encouragement is to, is to, is to have the courage and have the resolve to do that and see how God works through that. How, you know, do your best to relate to people in a, in a contextualized way and see how God can, uh, can work through your ministry. And I think that's going to impact us well as Chinese Americans, but also how we engage with the world and how we follow Jesus. Such a good word. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks for sharing both of those pieces of advice. It was Definitely encouraging for me, and I really appreciated you know this conversation that we've had. I would love to have you come uh, back on for another episode. There's so much I feel like we could ask you, and there's so much I know that you could share with us. But um, for this episode, we're so grateful that you joined us, and uh, we're we're looking forward to having you back on another time soon. Thanks, Jalen. Thanks, John. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.